Cade Mila Falta. Welcome to the Letter from Ireland show, where we travel in the footsteps of your Irish ancestors, visiting their homelands and telling their stories as they put down roots in so many places around the world. Hello and you're very welcome to this episode of the Letter from Ireland podcast. My name's Mike Collins and I'm going to be with you along with Karina Collins over the next 30 minutes or so. Now, today's episode is called, rather luringly, How the Irish Saved Civilization. Yeah, that's quite a kind of bit of clickbait there, isn't it? Right there. And in fact, that's the actual name of a book by a man called Thomas Cahill, who essentially goes back into the Dark Ages and talks about the behaviour of Irish monks at the time. And I guess basically how their kind of aesthetic view of the world uh, kind of did save civilization in a European sense back at the time, in terms of actually writing absolutely beautiful manuscripts, safeguarding those manuscripts and other treasures and so on, and spreading knowledge, of course, around the various uh, monasteries of the time around Europe. So what we're going to do today is we're going to have a couple of letters and we're going to focus on that time. In a few moments, we're actually going to start off with the Brehen families of Ireland. Now, let me explain the word Brehen, B-R-E-H-O-N. We're talking about essentially the law that was in place, the common law, uh, in Gaelic Ireland before, I guess, kind of the real kind of um, the advent and the imposition of English law, slowly but surely from the uh, late late 1100s onwards. And um, what you had there at the time of the actual Brehen Law was a very specific grouping of different families. And what we're going to look at today are the Brehen families and talk about the surnames associated with those families and just how some of those laws, in fact, were enacted. I think you'll find that a bit of fun, actually. The second letter we're going to cover is actually called How the Irish Saved Civilization, going to be read by Karina. And um, in this particular letter, we're going to look at the actual monastic families in Ireland and talk a little bit about them as well, okay? So um, we're going to be accompanied by lots of great music along the way, and we thought it'd be the appropriate thing to involve the chieftains for the time that's in it, of course. And we're going to have two tunes, two uh, older tunes from the chieftains. And then after that, we're actually going to have a beautiful, beautiful song, a lament called Donald Og or Young Donald, uh, by a group called Lehan. And Lehan, by the way, was the name of an abbot, uh, a female abbot, back in the, uh, I suppose you could say, kind of the dark ages that we're actually talking about around the time when Irish did indeed save civilization. So more on that as we actually go through the show. But on to the first piece of music, and it's called Carolyn's Concerto from the Chieftains. Thank you. 
The letter today reminds me of an Irish cultural past that we all share. And it also helps to explain the importance of family relationships and kin in our Irish communities. Now, have you ever had a run in with the law? Well, recently we got our first penalty points on our driving license. I know that makes us fugitive outlaws. But that's what we want to talk about in today's letter. The law and the Brehan families in Gaelic Ireland. Over a thousand years ago, Gaelic Ireland was governed by Brehan law until eventually these laws were outlawed in the 1600s. Imagine outlawing a set of laws. Well, today we're beginning to realise what a sophisticated and fair system these Brehan laws were and how they now provide us with a very revealing insight into ancient Irish society. The Brehan laws evolved from the customs of a tribalised society that had no central authority. And the name Brehan, or judge, comes from the judges who carried out and advised on these laws. Many of these judges and advocates came from specific hereditary Gaelic families, and they were granted very high standing in Irish society. So let me explain how this system worked in ancient Irish society. Each Gaelic kingdom, and there were about 100 to 150 kingdoms, or tuas as they were known at the time, appointed their own official Brehan or judge. And the Brehan's job was to advise the king on all legal decisions that were to be made. The judge then received a payment for his work, usually one twelfth of any award that was made. And he was also responsible however, for any mistakes that were made, and he had to pay a fine for a bad judgment. And now, how do you think that system would work today? Something to think about, isn't it? Remember, too, there was no central government in Gaelic Ireland to create laws. It was a society of tribes and smaller kingdoms. So the laws were built over time through popular acceptance by the people as a whole. The laws were the customs of the people put into spoken law by the Brehans and judges, and they were based on hundreds of years of development and social acceptance. There are two things we need to keep in mind before we look at the administration of law in Gaelic times, and that's the idea of family and kin back then and their unit of currency, both very different from these days. When we talk about family today, we often mean our immediate parents, siblings, nephews, nieces at the most. But back in Gaelic times, it was a little different. And this is reflected clearly through their laws of the time. So a family in Gaelic times referred to four generations descended from a common great-grandfather. And this was your family and it was defined as your true kin. The kin was responsible for any member, imagine, of those four generations. The kin was responsible for any member who got into trouble and they were expected to support one another. They had to collectively pay a fine or debt that was incurred by any one member of those generations. The Celts in early Ireland did not make coin, but cows were used as a unit of value for trading. So, You could use your cow instead of coins to pay for fines and for asserting your social status. Even land was measured in terms of the amount of cows it could sustain. 
The basic unit of currency was a milk cow accompanied by her calf. Coinage was not introduced into Ireland until the arrival of the Vikings. So crime and punishment was also different to what we now know today. The king wasn't responsible under Brehan law. He was not responsible for punishing any criminal act. Rather, it was left to the injured party to demand their own compensation. If there was a dispute between the parties, it was referred to a Brehan or judge. And this is a key point. The customary laws were enacted by private individuals against others. And the use of a Brehan was considered important only if there was a dispute needed to be resolved. So, would you like to know what some typical punishments and fines were under Brehan law? Well, here's some examples from around the 700 AD time. If you caused a mark or a bruise on someone else, you were fined two cows and one-seventh of the victim's honour price. This was moved up to two and a half cows and a quarter of the victim's honour price when blood was involved. If the victim died, the kin could seek 21 cows and the victim's full honour price. There was no capital punishment for homicide in ancient Ireland. It was up to the victim's kin to gain their own compensation. So you're probably wondering, well, what's an honour price? Well, the honour price really illustrates just how hierarchical ancient Irish society was but only just how socially mobile individuals could also be. Basically, a person's place in society was determined by their material wealth. As their circumstances changed, their rank could go up or down. So the honour price tracked where you stood on the social ladder, from king to lords to professionals like Brehans and Potes to craftsmen and wealthy farmers, all the way down to commoners and further again. The desire to maintain your honour price was probably the strongest incentive to stay within the law, no matter what your rank. Here are a few ways that individuals could lose their honour price. A lord could lose his honour price for refusing hospitality. I know that's still a mortal sin here in Irish families. Or they could lose, the the lord could lose his honour price for sheltering a fugitive tolerating satire or eating food that was known to be stolen. A poet could lose his honour price by overcharging. A Brehaner judge could lose his honour price if he committed a serious breach of duty. And a king could lose his honour price if he showed cowardice in battle. Ancient Irish society was not a caste society, but a society in which social rank could be changed moving upwards or downwards, and this resulted in constant attempts to hold on to or to gain power. Brehan laws reflected and tried to protect and enhance this society, all overseen by a cohort of Brehans or judges. So who were the Brehan families of Ireland? As you may have guessed, different traditions and professions were often passed down over generations in particular families. And the following families provided many generations of Brehans to serve the various kingdoms of Ireland. Now, I'm going to mention a county to give a location, but many of these counties were actually not in existence at the time of the Brehans. But it gives you an idea of where they are generally located. 
So the Brehan families were the Egans of Galway and Tipperary, and the Egans also ran a Brehan school. Forbes of Mayo, Keenan of Fermanagh, Coffey of Longford and Westmeath, Donnellan of Galway, Daverin of Clare, and the Daverins also ran Brehan schools, Breslin of Fermanagh, Hussey of Fermanagh, and Agnew of Antrim, Foy of Fermanagh, Cournine of Leitrim, Corcoran of Fermanagh, Clunan of Galway, Glinsonan of Tyrone, Caffrey of Fermanagh, Clancy of Clare and Tipperary, and the Clancys also ran their own Brehan schools, and lastly, the Folan families of Galway. Have you heard one of your own family surnames here? If so, you have been connected to the Brehans and would have held a high status in ancient Irish society.
Well, I hope you enjoyed what were three interlinked pieces of music there from the Chieftains. We had the Boyne Hunt, the Mullingar Races and the Five Mile Chase, all with a very particular theme. And indeed, a theme that I think would have been very familiar to the Breton families of Ireland. And that letter that Karina read just before that, chatting about the Breton, the, Ga- the Gaelic Breton laws and uh, the Breton families. Uh, and uh, perhaps you actually heard one or two of your own surnames in that particular readout as well. Well, we're going to go back to Karina now, and she's going to tell us all about how the Irish saved civilization. A while back, I was invited to a dinner at Dublin's Trinity College on a beautiful summer's evening. Have you ever been there? As dusk fell, we went for a walk among the grounds before the formality of the speeches and dinner. And a sign caught my eye. This way for the Book of Kells. Well, there we were, just yards from one of the most important illuminated manuscripts in the world. All safely locked up now for the night, of course. Have you ever seen this Book of Kells? It's a marvel of art and scholarship. We're very proud of it in Ireland. The dinner itself was for a professional society and I was sitting among a group of accountants who all chatted and knew each other. Now... I'm not an accountant, but not to worry, the conversation was lively and interesting, covering most of the subjects of the day. The man sitting opposite me introduced himself as John Monaghan, spelt M-O-N-A-G-H-A-N, and the man beside him commented, Oh, I suppose your family came from County Monaghan originally. No, actually, said my partner, we're actually from County Mayo. We're County Mayo through and through. Where did the name Monaghan come from so? Well, that got the conversation going for me, I can tell you. So the Irish surname O'Monaghan comes from the Irish O'Monachoan. O-father, M-A-N-A-C-H-A-father-I-N. O'Monaghan is now, was, O'Monachoan. This basically means a descendant of Monachoan, or a descendant of the little monk. The Irish name O'Monachon was found in various parts of the country. However, in Mayo and Galway, O'Monachon was anglicised as Monaghan. In Clare and Tipperary, O'Monachon was sometimes anglicised as Minogue. And in Cork and Limerick down there, O'Monachon was anglicised as Mannix and sometimes Manahan. Now, all these surnames, Monaghan, Minogue, Mannix, Manahan, they all came from the same Irish surname, O'Monachon, originally that is. Now, it's no wonder some find Irish genealogy and surnames confusing when you see that variety all coming from the one name. If you held this surname, however, it did not necessarily mean you were the son of a little monk. You see, Manacon was an Irish first name from early Christian times too. In fact, we still have some people called Manacon today. As in the way with most first names, it was primarily descriptive. The monk was a feature on the Irish societal landscape since well before the time of St. Patrick, and the Early holders of this name may have had the countenance of a monk or the hairline similar to a monk or perhaps they embraced austerity in a similar way or maybe they could have been the type that partied all day and it was given to them in an ironic 
only Irish fashion. Over time, some holy men who held this first name became saints. So we had Saint Munchen of Limerick, and even more babies were named Manacon in honour of this saint. From the 1800s onwards, different Irish family groups started to freeze or hold on to their collective titled name in honour of an illustrious ancestor. And that's how the surnames we are familiar with today started to seep into our society. And so one sept in the north of Connacht decided on the collective title Descendants of Manacon, or Emanacon, or Omanacon, and this then was anglicised as O'Monaghan many centuries later. However, as we're on the topic of monks, have you ever read Thomas Cahill's book, How the Irish Saved Civilization? Now, could anybody with Irish ancestry resist a title like that? How the Irish Saved Civilization. Maybe you've even read it. In the book, How the Irish Saved Civilization, Cahill explores how the Irish monk of the early Christian church established centres of learning across Ireland and the rest of Europe. Future kings attended these universities, which were located in places such as Glendalough and Clonmacnoise, and you can still visit the ruins of these places today. Now, in Glendalough and Glonmacnoise and places like this, the local monks worked to transcribe and preserve the written words of the early Greek, Roman and Irish civilization. The monks' efforts and accomplishments gave Ireland its reputation as the Isle of Saints and Scholars. The tradition of these early Celtic monks was very different to that of the later closed-order tradition that arrived here via the Roman hierarchical church, like the Cistercians and Franciscans and so on. The Celtic monastic focus was on prayer, learning and teaching, and the monks often lived in communities that they shared with their own families and craftspeople and others. They looked different, not like the Friar Tuck we think of today with a round bald spot at the top of their head. These monks typically shaved their hair for a few inches at the top of the forehead. Uh, Think a mullet with no fringe and you've got it. This was the type of monk that carried and made popular many of the Irish names we know today. Names like Brendan, Kevin, Declan, Aidan, Coleman and so on. So much thanks to John Monaghan of County Mayo, my dinner partner at Trinity College, who opened up this conversation about Irish given names and surnames, monastic traditions and illuminated manuscripts, leading to a rich conversation full of all that is best about our Irish history, traditions and culture. Tour my 
or was not something else. Donal Og, or in English, uh, I guess, Young Donald there, sung by Leon. And um, Donal Og, I guess, the, the theme of the song was uh, Unrequited Love, as you might perhaps even guess. And the original song was actually composed and sung in uh, Irish Gaelic in the first place. But it's one of those songs that's very much in the Scots-Gaelic tradition as much as the Irish Gaelic tradition. It was actually, I guess, kind of through Old Irish, we're talking about both Scots-Gaelic and modern Irish being uh, descendants of that particular language. So a lot of interplay between the two anyway. And the group itself is called Leon, uh, L-I father, A-D-H-A-N or L-I accent, A-D-H-A-N, and um, wonderful singers, and they're actually named after St. Leon, who is an abbess, if you like, a monk, a female monk, back in the day that Karina was actually talking about in the previous letter, how the Irish saved civilization. Well, that's it for this week. I hope you enjoyed today's show. You can find uh, the show notes at letterfromireland.com forward slash seven. That's a letter from Ireland.com forward slash 742 if you'd like to see a little bit more or read along to the letters that Karina read actually in today's show. It's all in there. And again, if you did enjoy today's show, just do take a moment uh, to say what you liked about it. We really, really would love to hear. Give a review inside whatever your podcast player is, be it Apple or otherwise. Or indeed, if you're inside a forum, just leave a line in the comments section below. So that's it for myself, Mike. On behalf of Karina as well, hope you enjoy the show and chat again next week. Slán for now. If you've enjoyed today's Letter from Ireland show, we'd like to invite you to check out our special membership area, The Green Room. You hear us mention it a lot during the show. And you can find full details of The Green Room at letterfromireland.com forward slash green room. Our green room is the essential resource for anybody at any stage in researching their Irish heritage because it's where we delve into all the good stuff to help you break down those brick walls and really connect the pieces in your Irish ancestry puzzle. In the green room, you get access to online genealogists, extensive research tools, quick win training, as well as member-only access to johngrenham.com and a very supportive, active community to help you along the way with feedback and advice. The green room is the perfect place to be for anybody starting or continuing their Irish ancestry search. So why don't you come and join us there at a letterfromireland.com forward slash green room. That's it for me, but I'll be back next time with another installment of the Letter from Ireland show. And I really look forward to chatting to you then. Slán gafól, Karina. <laughs>